Good morning, church family. Really great to be with you. And um, for those of you who might have been away, welcome home. For those of you who are new with us, thank you for taking a risk and coming. Um, we've been in the middle of a summer of all kinds of ministries. You heard about Robin and the team. That wasn't that encouraging? How, um, how great to see God at work that way. And then on all the Mexico trips that happened. And for those of you who served at VBS, thank you very much. I'm actually going to do a VBS thing um, this morning. So we'll just get you started and ready to pump for that. But thank you for serving and just, wow, to be in the middle of all this great fruitfulness that God's been at work in, it's humbling, isn't it? And really encouraging. So um, my cup is filled. We're in this series that God's led us to. It's called Raising Heroes, how God takes ordinary people, like that person sitting next to you, and raises them up to do the extraordinary. And I want you to turn your Bible to the end of Judges. And if you uh, are looking, you don't, didn't bring a Bible, if you would just look on page 221 in the Bible provided for you right there in, in your seats, in the backs in front of you. And if you know a little bit of the book of Judges, I'm just going to set the scene of what's happening in our story today that we're going to talk about. Um, Judges was a time in the nation of Israel's history that was filled with all kinds of turmoil and disruption. There would be all kinds of moments of struggle and hardship and even enslavement, defeat, military defeat. And then there would be a, a hero that was raised up, an ordinary person God would take and grab and, and lead and draw a whole nation back to relationship with himself. And then those same people who learned that great lesson about how to trust in the Lord and his provision and his goodness and strength and kindness would walk away from the Lord again. And they'd be stuck in the middle of turmoil and struggle. And it was a long season of wrestling. And it's actually that book is best encapsulated with a statement that's found in Judges 21, 25. that says this, In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. That remind you of any kind of culture or time. Everyone just did what was right in their own eyes. One of the most significant themes in that book, the book of Judges, is when people serve as their own moral compass and God is not on the throne, disaster ensues. Let me say that again so you get it in your heart. When people serve as their own moral compass and God's not on the throne, disaster ensues. And every time people ignored God and did what they wanted, there was pain and trouble and loss And when they returned to him, God redeemed. And that very much encapsulates that book, the book of Judges, which was, if you read through it, a a downward spiral. They would come back to the Lord, and they would walk farther away, and then come back to the Lord. And and it finally ends in the life, the tragic life of Samson. You might be aware of what happens at the end. It's just, you think, wow, is anything good going to happen in that season of their history? In the middle of the story that we're going to consider this morning, it was one of those seasons of chaos and national disobedience, and a famine hit the land. That was of the hand of God. Um, God had agreed with the nation of Israel to be a light to the nation so people would come to a relationship with him. And he made a covenant with them. It's recorded for us in the book of Deuteronomy. And this is just a slice of that covenant. I want you to just hear it, process it says this, if you will indeed obey my commandments that I command you today, 
to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart, with all your soul. What's the commandment? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. Do you do that one thing well this week? Things will be very different for you. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. That's the thing, right? Sounds like the words of Jesus, doesn't it? And here's what happens. He will give the rain for your land in its season, the early rain and the latter rain, that you may gather in your grain, your wine, your oil, and he will give grass to your fields for your livestock, and you shall eat and be full. Take care, lest your heart be deceived, and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. Then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you, and he will shut up the heavens, so that there will be no rain, and the land will yield no fruit. And you will perish and quickly off, and and you will perish quickly off the good land that the Lord is giving you. You shall therefore lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul, impress them any way possible you can. Bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as a frontlets between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children, talking of them when you sit down in your house and when you're walking by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. Have a lot of conversations with your family about this one thing. Serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And when you do, the blessings of God will come. And when you don't, you will suffer the consequences. Is that clear? That's the covenant. As famine in the land of Israel deepened, one couple got to the end of their rope. They had a couple of young men in the house. And if you're like me and have a couple of young men in the house, you know, they graze, right? They eat a lot. And now there's famine in the land, and this family is growing desperate. Eli Melek is the dad. He's got these two boys, man, and Chilean. And uh, he and his wife decide, we just got to leave. And we have to try to figure it out on our own. And so they become immigrants, and they move to the country that neighbors them. It's the country of Moab. Now, do you know the story? If you do know the story, tell your neighbor what it is. Did you read the bulletin? Yeah, okay, it's the story of Ruth. You got it. See, it's probably even up on the screen. Oh, look at that. Yeah. So it's a story of Ruth. Um, Eli Melek's wife was Naomi. And so they moved to they moved to Moab. The two boys, they grow up, they get married. And when they do, they disobey the word of God. Because God had a requirement for the men of Israel so that they might pass on their faith, and that is to marry women who are of the faith. By the way, guys, if you're in that place where you're looking, ladies, if you're in that place where you're looking, that's the requirement that will bring the most blessing to you. A woman, a man whose heart is after the Lord. But these guys didn't do that. They disobeyed that command of God. They married Moabite women. And then tragedy hits this small family. Before any grandkids come along, Eli Melek dies. Now they're in a foreign land. And then the two sons die, one after another. And now it's just Naomi and her two daughters-in-laws, and she is broken. If you read the text, and I'm going to encourage you this week to read through the book of Ruth, 
This morning, we're going to go through all four chapters and just highlight a couple things that happened in the book of Ruth, hopefully to whet your appetite to get into God's word in Ruth this morning. But if you read what happens in the tragedy with the process of what happens here, um, they sought to solve the situation, the problem on their own. They move to Moab. They lose, the, they lose their family, and Naomi is a wreck. She's depressed. She's embittered about what had happened, and she's tenuously holding on to a relationship with God. Often it's difficult, really, to understand why tragic things happen, isn't it? Um, sometimes it's clear. We've disobeyed God, and we're reaping the consequences of our actions. That's part of what happens to remind you that you have a God who loves you and who calls you in a relationship, and he just doesn't give arbitrary law. He calls you to be healthy in your relationship with him and how you live your life. And when you disobey, there's consequences. But sometimes we don't know why the personal tragedy hits, and that happened to this poor, dear family. And what we learn in the story of Ruth is that God is amazing at taking our tragedies and bringing healing. He really is. If you haven't learned that yet, or if you're in the process of learning that, he's amazing at that, of taking all that's junk and hard and painful in your life and redeeming it. That's the story of Ruth. And in Ruth and Naomi's life, they had major difficulty, and yet God was going to weave out a story of redemption that would be historic. It would take ordinary people and do the extraordinary with. Sometimes we, like Eli Melek think that we can move away from our problems, right? Of course, difficulty with that is that we're still there, and often we're the problem. Right. God in his faithfulness is going to take this family in the middle of their suffering and their struggle, help them understand that they need to run toward God. And something's happening in Naomi's heart when this tragedy happens, even though she's embittered, and when you read the story, you'll see it. She turns back, not just to her family, to move back to her home in her hometown in Bethlehem, but she's making a spiritual turn, I believe, too, to try to reconnect to her spiritual roots. And so she decides to move back home. She makes a major choice in her life to move back home, and her daughter-in-laws start the journey with her. They, they are walking down the road from Moab to the neighboring country. It's a road that goes right through the wilderness. It's fraught with danger, and she's going to go on her own. She's just assuming the girls are going to stay back. And if you know the story of Ruth, you know that they get to that place where they're about to say goodbye, and there's a lot of weeping. It's emotional. And the two daughter-in-laws just you know, hug onto Naomi, and they see her brokenness. And one leaves, even though Naomi's trying to push both of them to stay home. And one doesn't. One of them, this Moabite lady, makes a choice that will change her own life. It will change Naomi's life. It will ripple down throughout the course of history, 30 generations to the life of Jesus, because she becomes a woman who is now in the lineage of Jesus because of the choice she makes. Now, before we get to the lessons, I'm going to give you one lesson in each chapter and then encourage you to read the book when you go home. Before we get there, um, Mr. J, who led our VBS, is fantastic at impressing a point. One point, getting it into the people's brains, and it's the biscuit, right? This, since we did a little dog theme this year, it was the biscuit. So I'm going to give you one biscuit. 
And hopefully you remember this and it sears into your heart and your brain and you'll walk home encouraged with this and think about it this week. Here's the biscuit. Choose the Lord. Discover blessing. That's not complicated, right? That's what I loved about Mr. J. (laughs) He delivers the good simply for kids. But it's helpful for us as adults, isn't it? And it's the lesson that weaves itself throughout the book of Ruth. Choose the Lord. Discover blessing. Okay, so... Here's how we're going to do it. I'm going to have this side say, choose the Lord. And this side say, oh, see how good you are? Now, the first service, I just have to give this challenge. The first service didn't have to do it more than once. And I told them, I'm not going to let you out of here unless you get it. So this side is going to stand up, all those of you who can stand. And if you went to VBS, you know we did a lot of up and down. We're only going to do one this morning, if you get it right. You're going to stand up, and you're just going to say it full-throated, right? Choose the Lord, and you're going to say... Discover blessing. So it gets in all of our brains. Okay, are you ready? This side and then this side. Discover blessing as you're, right? Are you ready? One, not yet. You're going to stand too. Yes, thank you, Ron. I appreciate that. Yeah. One, two, three. Choose the Lord. Oh, that's fantastic. That's great. Yeah. That's the point. That's the biscuit of Ruth. You choose the Lord. And you discover blessing. So let's dig right into the story. Here's a lesson from chapter 1. That Ruth clung to what was good. In verse 14 it says, Then they lifted up their voices, the two ladies, who were gathering around Naomi, and they wept again. And Orpha kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. She held on. And when she did, she was making a radical commitment. She was going to leave her family, her friends, her culture. Some of you know the dynamics of leaving your own culture behind, right? And she was going to leave her gods behind. And she makes a commitment, not just to Naomi, but to follow Yahweh here in chapter 1. All these difficult things happen. Naomi's in the middle of her depression and discouragement. And Ruth makes a commitment She says this in verse 16 and 17, very famous words. If you know any words from the book of Ruth, it's probably these words. For where you go, I will go. Hey, we just sang that, didn't we? And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. I'm not just going to leave my culture. I'm going to leave everything else behind my gods and I'm going to pursue Yahweh. I'm going to have a relationship with God. And by the way, if you've never done that, it's not that complicated. It simply means you own your own junk and sin, and you turn to God and say, I want to follow you. I want you to be the Lord. I confess my sin before you, God. I want relationship with you. I put my trust in you and what you've done on the cross for me, Jesus. Help me follow. And that's what Ruth does right here. She leaves all that behind. And where he, where you die, I will die, and, I will, and there I'll be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you, I, I swear this is my commitment, my life commitment to follow you. And though Naomi was pushing her away, she really wanted that, right? Here's something very encouraging I see in chapter 1, that although Naomi is embittered and frustrated and depressed and struggling, 
Ruth saw something in her life about her relationship with God that she wanted, and she embraced. I just think it's a word for those of you who are struggling with depression or discouragement or even bitterness in your heart, that God can still use you in the life of other people to bring people to himself. He's really great at that. And he is going to do something in Naomi's life in this story to redeem her, to encourage her, to give her hope, and to refresh her relationship with God. But there's a great story in this that Ruth makes this commitment. She chooses the Lord. Ruth clung to what was good, and in doing so, she discovers things beyond what she was imagining. So she didn't know what was going to happen with that commitment, did she? She goes to this new country. They're on this dangerous road. They finally make, the ladies finally make it to Bethlehem. And inside Ruth, I'm sure she's wondering, what are these foreign people going to think of me? And I don't even speak the language, really. I don't know their customs. I'm going to struggle with so many things. She's got all kinds of insecurity, I'm sure. And she's wondering, what's this new relationship with Yahweh going to look like, with God that I've just committed myself to? How does that even, how does that even work? But Ruth starts taking these steps risky steps even, with the Lord and with Naomi. And the ladies hike into Israel through this desolate countryside, and then they discover something in chapter 2. Once the ladies get to Bethlehem, they're welcomed, but they're poor. They have nothing by the time they get there. And Ruth, she doesn't wallow, even though Naomi is wallowing in her hardship and her struggle, the remarkable thing about Ruth's character is that, that she doesn't. Ruth 2.2 says, And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him, in whose sight I shall find favor. She says, I'm going to get to work, and I'm going to work really hard because we have to survive. And typically in that culture, it was the men's job to provide for the ladies. But they didn't have any men in their life. So she was going to work. It was harvest time, so she went into the field that she discovered there, saw some people gleaning the harvest, and she started to go behind the workers and try to bend down and get whatever seed she possibly could so that they could eat that night. And actually, she works really hard. And the second lesson from Ruth that's found in chapter 2 is this. Ruth humbly worked her tail off, and God provided. She just humbly got to it. She started working, and as a result of her commitment God blessed. She didn't work her way to God's favor, but God saw her heart and her character, and she was blessed because of it. And chapter 2 is the story of what happened. She goes to the field, she works really hard, and happens to go to this particular field that God had a plan for her to show up in, and she starts working, and Boaz shows up. He's the owner of the field. Now, he's actually the leaser of the field, and we'll talk about that in a second, but he's the guy and whose harvest it is, and I don't know, sometimes guys, we're a little hard-headed, we don't always really see it at the moment, you know what God is doing, but something goes on, and Boaz gets slapped upside by God, or what happened, or maybe Ruth was just really fine-looking, and he saw this young woman in his field, and he starts to have a conversation with her as she works. He sits her down and just encourages her, tells her, wow, I've, I've seen what's going on and what you're doing for Naomi. I've heard the stories, and I want to bless you here. Sit down. Let's have a meal together. And Ruth does, and she starts to have 
a conversation with Boaz. Now, do you know who Boaz is? This is part of the how great God is. I love his plan. All right, so the Lord God is sovereign. He steps back and sees the course of history. Boaz is the wife, or excuse me, the husband, going to be the husband of someone who is now in the lineage that produces Jesus eventually. Their grandson will be King David. But he's got a lineage. His mom is Rahab the prostitute. That same Rahab who let the spies in to Jericho, if you know a little bit of the Old Testament history. So he's a prostitute's son, not really high on the social ladder because of that. And God's going to take a prostitute's son, Boaz, and he's going to redeem a woman who is a Moabite, an enemy. The Moabites were enemies of Israel. And he's going to take these two people, very ordinary people, people that you wouldn't expect, and weave out something really amazing in their lives. This love story that is the book of Ruth. And the product of that, which would be two people that would be able to have a part in the course of history, God's story for us. Isn't that cool what God does? So Ruth starts to see God's provision. She works and she gets provided this lunch. And as they keep working, um, there's this great story of what Boaz does. Boaz says to her, the Lord will repay you for what you have done, and a full reward will be given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wing you have come to take refuge. He actually has a spiritual word for her, a great word. Not that he's going to provide for her, but he says, you know what? God is going to provide for you because of your faithfulness. Because you've been faithful and a woman of character, God will provide for you. He's going to bless you. I know it. So, in the middle of the story, in chapter 2, Boaz says to her, come here, and eat some bread, and dip your morsel in wine. And she sat beside the reapers, and he passed to her the roasted grain, the bread. And she ate until she was satisfied, and she had some leftover, which she would take to Naomi. And Boaz instructed his young men, saying, let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. And also put out some of the bundles for her and leave it for her to glean and do not rebuke her. Like, make sure that she's got extra. And she goes home and has this extra and then has a conversation with Naomi about her day. It was a great blessing. She had a great day. But God had even more planned than that. She had met Boaz by the hand of God. And when she starts telling Naomi about what happened, Naomi starts putting the pieces together. Even in the middle of her struggle, she sees, wow, God, God's doing something here. God's doing something actually remarkable. We're not told all the details of her conversation, Boaz and Ruth's conversation, but what we know is a spark happened. Right? They just met each other, and it didn't just happen randomly because God is this master matchmaker, isn't he? Some of you know my story a little bit. I went to San Diego, and I was... Um, a single guy. I was a youth pastor. I got showed up in San Diego. I had no money. I was out of seminary. I was just totally broke. And I had this church I was working at. And they had a plan that, okay, we know you're broke, Ron, and there's going to be a house that's going to open in a couple months. And so here's our plan. We're going to put you up. We've got a bunch of families lined up. You'll, every like day or two, you'll move to a new family and you just do that for a couple months. I'm like, okay, I'm single. I got a backpack. That's all I got, really. So I can, I can make that work. Second family I get to, I get the flu. Like, and that's the last thing you want to do. You're imposing on these people anyway, and they're really nice people, but 
I get the flu, I'm sick, and the, and the mom, she says, no, no, we'll take care of you, don't sweat it. In fact, why don't you just stay here? You know, um, we've got an extra bedroom because our daughter's away at college. Thus, the hand of God, who is the expert matchmaker. Right? We're just down there in San Diego with Sue's family, staying in that same room. Yeah, 27 years later. Actually, more than that, since I first met her, right? It's over 30 years ago now. God had this great plan. That's who he is. That's how he works. He is wonderful at his plan of provision. And that's the story that Ruth is discovering because the lesson in chapter 3 is that Ruth trusted and discovered redemption for her. Now, when you read chapter 3, you need a little background, so I'm just going to give you a couple of the laws of the land that will help you with it. The first law that was there in Israel was the law of the kinsman redeemer. And for those of you who are students of the Old Testament and specifically this book, you know that God is an expert at giving images and then helping you understand those images, helping the nation understand those images, and then weaving them out and revealing the full story he had through the life of Christ. Christ who is our Redeemer. And he's helping people understand it through the life of Ruth. The law of the land was that if you sold your property to a person, it wasn't sold forever. Like today, if we decide, Sue and I decide to sell our house we're going to have, enter into a transaction, and we'll never have that property again. Okay? We, we sell it unless, we, you know, unless that person goes on the market again and we decide to buy it again. But in those days, the property really actually was just leased. I would buy the property, and then one day, that property could be redeemed back because it had to stay in the family. It stayed in the clan. It stayed in the tribes, so the tribes' lands wouldn't you know, be mixed up. There would be 12 tribes in our lands of Israel. And so they would be redeemed with a price. And the story that God is teaching through this ultimately is that your life would need to be redeemed. A price would be paid for you, for your sin, for your disobedience, for your wreckage. God would step in and pay a price to call you back in a relationship with him, and the price was the death of his son on a cross. And he would pay that freely for you. The story is being told, a picture of it, in the book of Ruth. And that's what happens in chapter 3. So the first law is the law of the kinsman redeemer. And the second law that's interesting is that it was a law of the Leverite marriage. That is, that if um, a tragedy happened, like happened in the life of Naomi and their ladies, and the, and the ladies, um, that the brother-in-law would step in and marry, or the closest relative who was available would step in and take care of that family. So there, there wouldn't be disaster. They didn't really have Social Security or those kind of systems. That was their system, their Social Security system. The men would step in, and they would marry. So it's really important, ladies, right, to know the, mar- the family you're marrying into, because you could get married to the brother, so, in this story, that law is operating, and you just need to be, understand it to be able to catch what happens in the book of Ruth. So, Naomi discovers whose family that Ruth had gone to and realizes that Boaz is in line to be a kinsman redeemer, a family member that could redeem their property that they had given up 10 years ago and could also provide for Ruth 
And so she tells Ruth the custom of the land. And the custom was when Boaz get done working, that she would go into Boaz, and it's not a sexual thing that happens here, but she would go in when he's sleeping, and she would cover him, literally the text says, with the edges of his skirt. Okay, so he didn't wear a kilt, just so you know. And he wasn't cross-dressing. That wasn't part of what happened here. Um, The edge of his skirt, actually his school in the Hebrew, was the hem, and the hem marked his authority. So it was a mark of him protecting her, and what Ruth was saying is, I need you to redeem me and to protect me. Now, for Ruth, it had to be odd, weird, right? Because this was not her culture, and I'm sure she's hearing, she's got all these questions of Naomi, really? You want me to do what? Go in and say what, you know? And she goes in, she takes this, this risk, she trusts Naomi, and she trusts the law. She walks in, she, she lays herself down at Boaz's feet, who's asleep. She covers him up, partly with the garment that he has, and he wakes up, and he sees that she's asking, would you take this risk and marry me? Would you care for me? Would you be my redeemer and pay the price? The big picture of God's story in the Bible is that Yahweh is this wonderful redeemer and says yes. What happens in this story is that Boaz says, I would love to, but there's another guy who's in line before me, so I can't say yes right now. But I would be honored to do that. And then Boaz gives her a, a bunch of food that she can take back and c- take care of Naomi with. And that's the end of chapter 3. We're left kind of in uh, tension. Like, is this other guy going to come in and swoop in and get it? And that's the end of the love story? And no Boaz and Ruth? Is that what's going to happen? And then chapter 4 comes. So with all this tension and what happens in the story, there's a bigger story being told of God's great love for us and us stepping out, Ruth stepping out and taking these risks and then discovering the blessing of God. Ruth says, I'm Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant for you are a redeemer. And he says, okay, but um, I have to check. Chapter 4 Ruth chose the Lord and became a blessing to her broken family and to a nation. She chooses to risk it and to trust. And that's what happens here. Boaz goes, and he has a conversation with the other guy who's got first dibs. And the other guy um, doesn't want, he, he wants the property, but he doesn't want all the other responsibilities. Apparently, maybe he was married, and his wife said, I don't think so. Or whatever, we're not sure exactly about the details. We're not told the details in the text. But what we know is that Boaz is able to redeem her. And that's what he does. He pays the price to enter into relationship. Marriage, and he gets all the property too, which is a great bonus. But the big story is that this guy who is a prostitute's son, and this woman, this Moabite woman, God had his hand on, Right? He had chosen for a specific purpose, to bless them. And because their hearts were pure and both of them were pursuing God, God was going to pour out his blessing. And he did. They got married. They had a child. His name is Obed. And that child became the grandfather of King David. And as you heard me say, 30 generations later, Jesus. They had a historic impact because of it. 
Now, listen to what happens. Verse 11 and 12. Then all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, We're witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May you act. This is their blessing in the, in the wedding. May you act worthily in Ephratath and be renowned in Bethlehem. And may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman. Now, some of you, if you know the story of Tamar, might think, what kind of a blessing is that? That's crazy. Because if you know a little bit of your Old Testament history, that was a family that was in wreckage because of sin. And the point is, the people are saying, God can make all things new. He can take what was wrecked, this family of Naomi, and all the heartache that was there, and may he bring blessing. May you have as many kids as Rachel and Leah both had together. They have tons of kids. I don't know how Ruth responded to that, but she was like, it was, it was a good blessing, right? And may you be they're saying in their blessing, an important part of history. And they were. It's a good ending to the story. That because of their choice, God blessed them. One point I want you to get from the story before you read it again this week. Choose the Lord. Discover blessing. Don't forget that. Each day this week, You're called to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. And when you do, God will bless men and women. Choose the Lord and discover how sweet and good that is. Let me pray for you, please. Father, thank you for these dear friends and thank you for your word. Press it on our heart and help us to respond to you and choose you this day who we serve. All God's people said. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Bridges Community Church Sermon Podcast. Bridges Community Church is located in the San Francisco Bay Area in Fremont, California. For more information on Bridges Community Church, please check out our website at www.bridgescc.org.